Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode six of the season three Weber Podcast podcast, a podcast written and recorded by honor students here at Weber State University, discussing our theme of reconnecting through various topics that encompass our plan to turn our surviving world into a thriving one. My name is Brayden. And my name is Addison. And today we're going to discuss the importance of connecting with the school environment. We invited Ben Fernie, student body president here at Weber State University, to join us as we discuss this topic. And with that, let's jump right in. Welcome, Ben. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me. How are you both? Doing good. Yeah, yeah, super excited to have you on here today. We just wanted to talk with you today about your experiences with the student body as the student body president here at Weber State, as well as leadership experiences in general and kind of how they relate to the school, the school structure, and also how uh, we can reconnect with school, just even people outside of student government and how participating in activities can actually help us academically too. So Sweet. I'm ready for all of it. <laughs> awesome. Well, I just want to jump right into an example that I've always heard, like this triangle that people talk about with balancing your life, especially in college, right? You can choose two and you've got sleep, school, and your friends. And it's like, okay, choose two, right? I feel like it's kind of impossible with you, Ben. You kind of, seems like you're everywhere. You've got friends. You're doing a lot of your school, your master's program as we speak. I don't know if you sleep, you know? Oh, I do. <laughs> oh, I do. <laughs> Is that a, do you think that's an accurate thing for people to look at and say, all right, I got to cut off everything? Like, what, what do you think for students? So specifically with that triangle example, I actually disagree with it. The beginning of college, I heard that and I was like, oh, no, I don't like this. Like, I, like <laughs> yeah. I really thought it was real. Yeah. My first semester, I was taking 15 credits. I was working two jobs while learning how to do college. So I kind of fed into that and really didn't do much with friends. I just worked school and slept. Whereas fast forward five years to now I'm the student body president. I'm in a master's program. I hang out with friends regularly and I get eight hours of sleep almost every night, which I never thought was possible. So I, I really think that it just comes down to finding the balance and then making Google Calendar or some sort of calendaring app your best friend. So I block out the time for homework. I block out time and then for school, for you know all the things. That way I can see where the holes are in my schedule throughout the week and I can be aware of when I can throw extra things as they come up and then just making sure that I go to bed and get the eight hours because nothing else is going to work out if I'm not getting to sleep. I think it's a very individual approach. I don't necessarily think it's healthy to cut off one of those things and say, well, no sleep forever. But I think everyone can find a way to balance all three. I think as a society, we kind of deal in extremes where like you have to sacrifice this thing entirely in order to accomplish something else. And like you're saying, that's maybe not the most healthy dynamic to, to have in our lives, because if we're cutting out areas of our lives, we're not going to have something important. Totally. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just in my first semester here at Weber State, I've seen that you need the balance to really enjoy it. Right. I found those days where I sacrifice my friends or sacrifice my sleep or whatever it is. Things just aren't as enjoyable. But when you connect all those things, it kind of completes it like it supports itself. Right. I guess with the triangle, if you take away one of those sides, it's just going to fall over. So I think having those really does balance it out and finding a way, like you said, make a calendar or planner and plan out all those things because it won't happen if you're not putting that effort to make it happen. Right. And I think that really helps you set intentional boundaries. 
Yeah. So that if there is one day where you're like, I have four hours of homework, probably shouldn't do anything with friends. Then you can say, hey, let's hang out another day. Mm -hmm. Or if it's the weekend and you're like, hey, I've worked my booty off all week long. <laughs> it's okay if I go to bed at 1 a.m. and, you know, go to this dance or go to this event. That's okay. You don't mm -hmm. have to be perfect and 100% in all the things all the time. And sometimes you can, you know, take a break from school. You know, on the weekends, I try really hard to have my homework done before the weekend yeah. so that I can just disconnect for two days and then come back Monday refocused. So I think it's just all about being intentional and setting those boundaries and then knowing when you can, you know, let something go for a few hours or for a day or two and then come back to it. I love it. It's fun. It's a learning experience for all of us every day. <laughs> I know just just watching you the last couple of years, it's inspiring because I, I know for me, I sometimes just <laughs> need a break, you know, but you've got the high energy very consistently and for very long lengths of time. And it's very admiring to observe that. We want to talk about your early experiences that kind of led up to you eventually now being your second year as a student body president here at Weber State and second year in a row, too. So right. and the year before that, you were kind of helping out with the social media with a different person running for student body president or a different position. I'm no, not, no, I'll give you the rundown. Yeah, you can okay. give us yeah. the rundown. So yeah. and I'll just go back a few extra years because I know that you might want to hear this because Addison <laughs> said so. I actually ran for student government the first time in seventh grade and I didn't make it. And then I ran in eighth grade and I didn't make it. And then I ran in ninth grade for junior high student body officer, didn't make it, ran for ninth grade office, didn't make it, ran in 10th grade, ran like I ran all throughout junior high and high school. And it never was actually because I wanted to help plan stuff or be a leader on campus. It was just because I wanted to make friends and it never happened, which is fine. And I'm actually grateful for it looking back. Then I went and served a mission in Australia. My senior year of high school, actually, we moved to China. So I went there for a year, moved to Australia for two years, then came to Weber State in the spring of 17 and said, okay, I'm coming here for one semester and then I'm <laughs> out of here. I live 15 minutes away. I grew up 15 minutes away. So Weber State just never really was the school I wanted to go to, just too close to home. But after one semester, I fell in love with this university, the professors. I still pass professors in the hallway from that semester who remember my name, ask me what I've decided to do with my life. And while I still don't know what I'm doing <laughs> with my life, they're still excited to see me. And I think it really makes such a difference. The education we have here is so individualized. So you, you asked me about student government and I'm going off about Weber State, <laughs> but that's just what I do because I love it here so much. Yes. And so then my second and third semester, the fall and spring that next year, I was involved on a club in a minor leadership role, helping plan a weekly speaker series that the club was doing. And that was really fun. But the president of the club and some of the other leaders in the club kind of had this click going on. Even though I was part of the leadership of this club, I felt disconnected. So very early on in my time at Weber, I realized I never want someone else to feel that way, mm -hmm. to feel out of the loop or not like they're part of anything. So after that year, then I had a year of non-involvement and that was the worst year of my time at Weber State. Because all I did was work and go to school. Mm. I didn't come to events. I wasn't on any clubs. I wasn't in any leadership positions. Like literally I showed up, went to class, went home, went to work. And those are the worst grades I've had. My mental health was not good. And I really do connect that to the involvement that we have and the way we put in what we want to get out of our college experience. So then after that year, I actually was asked to be the president of that club that I was on the year before which was interesting because I had that, ex that expectation and that idea of what the culture should look like. Mm -hmm. And we saw some really cool shifts throughout that year. And because of that, I just didn't want to be done with leadership after that year being the, 
the club president, I said, okay, what should I do next? And random people from my life in the same week were like, oh, why don't you run for student body president or something at Weber State on a higher level? I didn't know that there were seven vice presidents of the student body. I thought there was the president and you know one or two yeah. vice presidents, <laughs> but I also didn't really look into it. I said, yeah, let's just go straight for president, having not been connected to student government at all. So I ran against who was a current vice president and another candidate, and it was a good race, ended up winning. And then 12 days later, COVID hit. We moved online. And the whole pandemic flipped everything upside down. But the one thing that didn't change was my love for Weber State and my desire to help the students. I think for a long time when we talk about involvement or working with people, we always say the phrase, if you build it, they will come. I've heard that phrase so many times. But throughout each of these experiences, I've consistently learned that that's not really working in 2020, 2021, 2022. I think the pandemic really closed our social circles mm -hmm. and with that kind of our comfort zones. So a lot of people reach for their phone before hanging out with friends or different things like that. There's just so many things at our fingertips that it's really easy to say, uh, instead of getting involved, I'll just watch the show on Netflix, yeah. which I'm not going to knock because yeah. Netflix is great. You got to have time for those things. But it's a balance like we talked about with that triangle. Mm -hmm. So I did the year as president with COVID. And it was just like constant curveballs, trying to help, you know, be that perspective for administration to know how to best maneuver different situations to best serve the students, finding ways for students who are online to still feel connected and to still have that same culture shift. I had, you know, with with a club I was in charge of wanting to not let anyone feel like an outsider. Um, and that has carried on through my first year as president and into my second year. My second year when I ran, my slogan or my theme was come as you are. And it's so powerful. I think one of the reasons Weber State is as incredible as it is because we're an open enrollment school. There's a very small number of institutions like that across Utah where you apply and you get in. Like our acceptance rate is literally 100%. Yeah. We don't turn anyone away, not for grades, not, not for anything. And to me, that really signals from the school to prospective students, whoever you are, wherever you come from, whatever your GPA, come, be you and have a great experience while you do that. And I really wanted to continue to signal that from a student leader perspective so that students know that at Weber State, you really can be who you are. There's other schools in the state that have interesting rules and weird things that happen and, and students can't be themselves. But here at Weber State, regardless of your background, your race, your religion, your sexual orientation, your past academic experience or really any other thing, you have a place at Weber State. And I think to the students who may be listening or who may be on campus who may not have found that place yet, I would just say keep looking because it's here. But sometimes it takes a minute to find that place and to find your home on campus. But I truly believe that there's a spot like that for everyone here. So I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> no. I went in a few different routes, but. Right, right. Well, we'll kind of dive into a few of those things that you brought up because that is a lot to unpack. I don't, yeah. I don't think <laughs> we'll, get just, to all, we won't get yeah, to all of it, right. but it's so cool. That was really good. Your experiences there are, yeah, they're you, right. you know, there's only one Ben Fernie right now and, and you've made valuable contributions to Weber State and you're helping others to find theirs. And that's kind of the purpose, right? That's kind of the, what your, your outlook is with it. How can I help other people find themselves? And with school, it's really important. I think it's more than just academic here, what right. we're doing mm -hmm. right now. We're doing so much more than just talking, too. Like, it's, it's kind of both. It's the academic and the social. And you kind of find yourself in both of them at the same time. Right. And what, what about finding those relationships meeting all these different people. How does that help you? Like, did you feel that way 
with the year of schooling you had in China as well? Did that feel like a unique thing that helped your learning in any way? If not, like you can just relate it. to No. Yeah. Yeah. That year changed my life. I lived in the same neighborhood. I moved one time, seven houses down the street before getting (laughs) on a plane. I had never been on a plane before getting on a plane to move across the world and and move to go to an international school where my graduating class was 60 people around 60 people, but they were from 40 Mm. different countries. Whereas in North Ogden, Utah, the high school (laughs) I went to, everyone looks the same. They have very similar beliefs, very similar ways of life. And then I was picked up and thrown across the world. And it was exactly what I needed. I'm glad I never made student government in junior high and high school because I didn't know who I was. And still to this day, I'm still learning. I'm 26, still (laughs) learning about who I am and what I want and where my life's going. But at 14 and 18, like you really just don't know. And I think had I been in that position, I may have latched onto groups of friends or people that may have taken me in a different route where I wasn't truly going to be accepting myself, where I had that constant, nope, didn't make it, didn't make it, didn't make it. Among other things, it really taught me that I got to be happy with me Mm -hmm. and these outside achievements can help us grow and help us do things, but they're not connected to our value as much as we think they are. We, and I'm going to go on another tangent, but here we go. I think we really live in a world where numbers are equated to our value. You know, Mm -hmm. the number that shows when you stand on the scale, if it's too high, if it's too low, we subconsciously and consciously equate that to whether we're good enough or not. Our GPA, Mm -hmm. our grades are, I mean, you can go on how much money we have. Like there's so many different aspects of the numbers and the outside things that it's so easy to base our worth on those. But at the end of the day, we already have our worth. It's already part of us. And we just get to experience these things. I walked out of a testing center right after they finished Linquist Hall, the new building down there on campus. I walked out of there in a science class, took a test, and I got a 42% on the test. And I'm the type of student who all throughout junior high and high school I had a 4.0 until I had one A minus and it like made me lose my mind. End of the world. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And then I moved to China and that was a whole different academic situation. But I walked out with that 42% and I thought, oh no, I'm going to fail this class. I'm not going to pass call. Like you go down that spiral of all Mm -hmm. the ways that this number that was shown on the screen is defining your whole future. And then I stopped for a second and said, nah, I don't want to worry about this. I'm over it. And I can still bounce back. I'm not going to fail the class. But also like my worth as a human being is not a 42% worth. It's a 100% worth. Mm -hmm. And yeah, maybe I should have studied better for this (laughs) test. But also I'm not going to let it ruin my day any longer than it has. And I still passed the class. I think I got like a B minus or maybe a C (laughs) plus. It wasn't a great grade, especially coming from my perfectionist mindset. But it was such a good moment for me to say, oh, okay. 42%, bring it on. I don't even remember what your question is, (laughs) but yeah, I really think that at the end of the day, finding your place and, and being willing to accept like, Hey, maybe I'll spend this Friday night by myself or I'll take myself out to dinner or whatever it might be is so important. I almost think that triangle we talked about at the beginning should be a square or a triangle with a circle in the middle. And the circle in the middle is our self because it's so easy to think that work and sleep and all the work and people and school are more important than ourself. But if we're not taking the time to sleep or to eat or to drink water or to meditate or to really just sit and think, 
-hmm. and we're going to get so caught up in everything else around us that we're going to keep forgetting who we are. And at the end of the day, being here in college, like when your diploma is in that beautiful frame, you've walked through the ceremony, done all the things, and you're in a job or whatever your future brings, and you look up on your wall and the framed diploma is sitting there, it's so much more than just a piece of paper when you've had these experiences, when you've gotten involved and you've gone beyond the classroom. Classroom's great. Professors mm-hmm. who listen might say, no, Ben, classroom's great. It is good. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. I actually have met some of my greatest friends in class because you, you, know, you talk before the professor starts and you talk after and you have people to walk in and out of. And that can be scary. You're like, I don't know anyone in this room. I just am mm-hmm. here to get a degree. But getting to know those people changes so much. There's people in my master's program who I had classes with in my undergrad who I got to know. And now we've been able to kind of follow each other through these different adventures and experiences we've had in life and be there to support each other. So, I mean, we can say there's involvement and there's academics, but there's also involvement in academics, whether that's a club or getting to know people in class or whatever it might be. There's always something right in front of us. It's not always as separate as we might think. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think that just makes so much sense. I don't know if I could have said any of that better. And I like how you said finding yourself too with it, like your self-esteem, your self-value. That's something that I thought about a lot when I was in junior high and high school because I ran for office in my senior year. I don't remember what position it was, but I didn't make it, <laughs> right. which was fine. It was a little bit sad at first, but then I kind of realized too, like, oh, there's other opportunities I have now. I was able to become art club president at my high school and I got to join at Clearfield High School. They called it Fly Team, where we go and help the elementary school kids learn things about like gratitude and confidence, things like that. And because I didn't make it into that, I looked for opportunities in that kind of thing. And so that reminded me of how you said I got 42 on that one test, <laughs> but you didn't let that define you. You didn't let right. that kind of difficulty stop you. And I think that's a really good kind of motivation to have in school is to not let those numbers or those little setbacks to define the rest of your future. You have so much more. I know you're telling me earlier, and a lot of people say this is only <laughs> my first semester. I don't know what I'm doing yet, but there's still lots of time to figure out. And you said you're still trying to figure yourself right. out. Right. So I think understanding that it's okay if we're not perfect 100% of the time. We're able to learn from those things and be able to progress and find things out. Like when I graduated high school, I was going to be a dentist and then orthodontistry. That was my plan. <laughs> then I went on my mission and came back. And now I want to go into psychology or marketing. And that could change next semester and two semesters. So I think that's really interesting learning how to figure out who we are in academics and how school helps that. And whether it's in the classroom and learning our classes and what we kind of get along with and understand, or if it's in the involvement of the clubs and the sports that we participate in and things like that. I really like how there's that variety for everyone. How you said that Weber State literally accepts everyone here. So everyone has that opportunity to do that for themselves. Totally. And I think you just made a very important connection that we should identify. You talked about volunteering with those kids. Was it in elementary? Yeah. Yeah, in an elementary school and how that's connected. And I know you didn't sub, you know, explicitly say, doing this service helped me find my value, but like it really does. Yeah. It's in those moments when we're able to look outside of ourselves and give to other people when we're like, oh, I just learned something about me, which almost mm-hmm. makes service like really selfish. Yeah. You're like, ooh, <laughs> if I do this service... Here's all the ways I'll benefit, but it's really a win-win situation. It is. Finding ways to look outward, help other people while still then learning about ourselves, And that, that can be going to an elementary school. It can be walking around campus and you know it's your second semester, but clearly this kid over here is lost. Yeah. And saying, hey, can I help you find something? <laughs> or it can be 
you know, buying your friend lunch or calling your mom out of the blue and saying, mom, thanks for all that you do. Like Mm -hmm. there's so many different levels, but if we can find a way at least one time every single day to do something for someone else or to look outward, I think it really can help us continue to see ourselves differently and then to see the world differently as well. Something standing out to me from your experiences is life is a lot longer and a lot shorter than we really think it is. Yeah. Because we get so caught up, all I, all three of us have run for student government in junior high and high school, and none of us, you know, <laughs> all three of us did that. So you just want that cool jacket. Hey, that's what it was yeah. about. It is a cool jacket. Yeah. It is. <laughs> so like, life's a lot longer than getting a cool jacket, but it's also pretty short because the the time like it does still go pretty quick. But we also are just going too fast sometimes. So I think slowing down, right. but at the same time realizing. Also, in this moment, life is still kind of short. I should find ways that I can help others and make memories, make experiences that I'll want to remember for a very long time. And the time to do that is right now. Mm-hmm. It's not in a month or two months when I right. feel like right. I might have the opportunity, finally. The opportunity is right now, and we're creating those mental barriers for ourselves that keep us from huge. From, from embracing that huge life really is today yeah because you can't change yesterday and you don't know what's coming tomorrow Mm -hmm. it's all about how can we make the most of right now today Mm -hmm. i think we fall into a trap very easily of this mindset of i'll be happy when yeah like in high school i'll be happy when i graduate or i'll be happy when i go on a date with this person or i'll be happy when i get this job or i'll be happy when i graduate college but like if we're constantly living in that, it's framing happiness as a destination. It's saying mm-hmm. happiness for me is not available until I graduate or until this thing happens. When in reality, there are happy moments all the time. And if we can, like you said, Addison, slow down and recognize like, okay, you know what? The tree is blossoming today and this wind feels Beautiful. good. This is a happy moment. Mm-hmm. Or like, this cold water tastes delicious. You know, like the small <laughs> things can really bring us so much happiness. And when we catch ourselves saying, oh, I'll be, because I meet people all the time who are in their first or second semester and they're mm-hmm. like, I can't wait to be done. I have like two more years. Da, da, da. And me graduating <laughs> in a few weeks, now I've been telling them, whoa, 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 slow down. It's going to be over soon and it's scarier on the other end because you got to figure out your job and like all these big decisions are next. So like, don't wish it away. Just enjoy it, make the most of it and find those happy moments every day. And then when you're saying or you catch yourself saying, I'll be happy when blah, 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 reframe it in your mind and say, okay, I'm really looking forward to graduating and I think it will bring lots of opportunity but what is bringing me happiness right now? Or what things are good things that I'm going to miss when I graduate? And then it kind of like flips your whole perspective upside down and all around, which I think really helps us recognize that life really is today, like you said, Addison. What do you think is keeping people from trying new things and particularly getting involved? Why? Why don't we want to? Why are we so scared? Right. There's so many answers to that question. I think at Weber State, we have a very unique demographic. One in three students are married. One in three have kids. Like more than half of our students are non-traditional students 
whom I love. If you're listening, you're wonderful. I'm one of you. We're great. <laughs> Which is cool because there's unique opportunities for students of all ages and experiences to really be peers and to get to know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing I think is busyness. I think a lot of people just have other jobs and other things happening in their life. And that's okay. You are going to get out of college what you hope for. And involvement looks different for everyone. For me, it was being the student body president <laughs> for two years. But no one, not everyone has to do that. And that's not the only way to be involved. Involvement could be going to a football or a basketball game. Involvement could be going to one event or joining a club or running a club or going to the stre- like stress relief center. There's so many different levels and types, mm-hmm. which is what I love because Weber State is so individualized. That's so can our involvement. Yeah. You know, but for people who might have fear or stress about it, or I don't know anyone, that kind of worry, I think is like so good. Mm-hmm. I think so often we have that fear. And I took a stress relief class on campus. If Stress management, I think is what it's called, which if no one's taken it, it's wonderful. It's worth it. But they talk about the flight or fight or flight response in the way that when we have stress, our bodies are thinking that we're being chased by a bear. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, because that's how our ancestors were. And so that's kind of ingrained in you know, our bodies and our DNA and the way we react to things. But I think it's important to notice like, oh, yeah, I'm nervous to go to this football game because I don't know anyone. Or I'm afraid to run for office or join a club or go to an event or go to counseling on campus, whatever it might be. But then to take a step back and say, this isn't a bear that's running towards me. This is the type of bear I should run towards. Mm-hmm. because it's in those kind of stressful things where we're uncomfortable and we stretch ourselves when we continue to learn more about who we are mm-hmm. about what we're capable of because if you're afraid to go you know take this test or you're afraid to take this class or run for senator of college of arts and humanities or whatever it might be and then you do it and then you're successful then you look back and you go oh my gosh i was scared to do this because i didn't think i could but now i've seen what i'm capable of And then it kind of scares you even more because then you're like, oh, I haven't given myself enough credit. I don't know what I can do. So rather than asking yourself, what if I fail? Ask yourself, what if I succeed? Mm -hmm. And then regardless of how success or failure is perceived in your mind, you're going to learn something in the process. Maybe you do go for something and it doesn't work out. You're going to learn so much. And there's going to be other opportunities like Mm -hmm. you had doing the art club and going to the elementary school and doing different things. But you may not have found those things if you didn't first run for office and yeah. not make it. Yeah. So sometimes it's a stepping stone to the next thing. And other times it's where we're supposed to be in that moment. The part of that is the prefixes that we're kind of on this show. We have reconnect. The prefix is re. Right. We're connecting again. And I was kind of the word you use, like if we're overreacting to things. We can change that. We can just change it to reacting. Mm-hmm. We don't yeah. want to underreact either. Right. We wanna, yeah. <laughs> just want to react to things. Right. I don't know if it's a real word, but whenever someone says overwhelmed, I'm like, no, I'm just whelmed right now. Like, <laughs> that's <laughs> just in the moment. <laughs> that's the exact phrase I actually use with people that I lead is I'll ask them, are you overwhelmed? Are you underwhelmed? Or are you perfectly whelmed? <laughs> just to gauge like where people are at. So I love that you brought that up. Yeah. I love that you already use that because it's the, it's the prefixes that we're using in life that are determining how we're reacting. Right. Mm-hmm. We can choose our prefix. Right. We can choose. I'm going to reconnect today before we could just simply connect. The world kind of forced us to disconnect for a time, but are we choosing to still disconnect? Right. Are we going to change that prefix? Right. 
change that into a reconnect. Yeah. And I guess the question with that I wanted to ask is you were here before COVID, right? Yeah. And so how has that experience changed from before COVID to now? Then during, how has that whole process changed of how the campus works and how students get along with each other? Right. From a student leader perspective, like I said earlier, if you build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. No, like we got to go chase down the students and like, hey, I have a coupon for a free bagel. And then they <laughs> look that. at you weird and they say, what do I have to do? And I say, you just go over there and they'll give you a bagel. And then students like we're just in this disconnected stage or we have been. I think we're getting a lot better where it scares us for someone to talk to us. But yeah, also we want to talk to people and we want that social connection. But sometimes we're not willing to be the ones to let our wall down. Mm-hmm. So someone has to kind of like break our wall down for us or show that their wall's down before we go. Oh. I can talk to someone. So I think that the outreach and the way we connect with students as leaders has changed Mm -hmm. because rather than waiting for students to come find us, which sometimes they still do, we have to be more intentional about going and finding them. And I think that that could be applied in recruiting for the university and so Mm -hmm. many different aspects, but we won't go into those. From a student perspective, it has been so fun to watch professors learn how to use technology more in the classroom. I think COVID forced us to catch up with the world with Zoom and like, We never talked about Zoom before COVID happened and like having a meeting. Oh, yeah. Oh, we have to have a group meeting. Okay, everyone meet at campus at this time. Like we would pull our hair out to find a time when we could all be in the same place in person when there's so much more flexibility with Zoom. And so like, you know, the classic jokes of, oh, let me figure out how to share my screen or, (laughs) you know, as the professors. And sometimes you have to unmute yourself and say, okay, professor, like click on this and click on that. And that's not to say like anyone's smarter than the other, but we're all learning together and we're adapting. And I think education is an effective tool when we're able to be adaptable to our environment. You know, the university spends a lot of time looking at the industry of the degrees that we have to make sure that we're meeting job needs. Yeah. Workforce demands and all of those different things. So they're connected with industries and alumni to say, hey, this is what we're looking at adding for a new program or how we're going to change this program. But what is your industry need or how has it changed? And so many industries changed over COVID. You know, there's so much more hybrid working. There's so much more remote working because it forced the world to see that we can do things in different ways, Mm -hmm. which also makes me think how many other things can we be doing differently or innovating that we're not realizing because a pandemic hasn't forced us to see it, whether that's on a university level or a life level or, you know, a career level. I think there's so many ways that we can reflect on the pandemic and see how we can continue to progress. Yeah, I like that a lot. I graduated high school before COVID hit and I was out on my mission when COVID all happened, I got back this last December. So I kind of missed the whole brunt of it. Oh, sheesh. But then coming back now and still seeing how even the hybrid stuff work, it just seems like it works pretty well from what I heard how college was before where you have to go, you know, to all your classes in person, all that. And now I'm taking half my classes online and I'm able to do that. Like I can fit it into my schedule. Like we talked about before making that work and that opens up. So I have more opportunity to do other things. Right. And I think that's such a wonderful opportunity to be able to do that. I know some people might struggle, but I think it allows for that adaptability, like mm-hmm. you talked about for meeting our needs and helping us right. to achieve things that we didn't think were possible before. Yep. Very individualized. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. So Ben, for you, what's a leader and who are leaders? My favorite thing about that is a leader doesn't have to hold a position to be a leader. When you're sitting in a class and there's a student and maybe you see them as a teacher's pet or someone who talks a lot, which is probably me, <laughs> but the way that they interact and maybe they guide the conversation or they engage in a certain way, that can be a leader. Or someone when you are lost on campus looking for your way and someone's willing to take two seconds and say, hey, where are you going? Are you lost? Because I can help you find the way. That's a leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, leadership isn't the title. It's in the character. So I think it can be easy to be like, oh, 
Ben's a leader because he's student body president. But I've, I've worked hard to make sure that it's not just my title that makes me a leader, but it's in the way I interact with students. And we see that with President Mortensen. I really see him as a big leader. One indication early on of him being the president of the university was the way he'd send out communication to campus and he'd sign it Brad, lowercase b, Brad. Hmm. Not President Brad Mortensen, 55th president or however many presidents (laughs) there's been of Weber State University. Like just four letters, all lowercase, and just really showed, hey, I'm a human, I'm trying, I'm perfect. But also like if you call me Brad or you call me president, I'm a human being. And I think that that really showed me it's so much more than the title we have or the position that we're in. Leadership can come at any time. And sometimes you're sitting there and you're like, ooh, my professor just said something that's probably racist or sexist or homophobic. And maybe they don't realize it because they're coming from their subconscious bias and their own worldview. And I think that's where our grace needs to come in and we can say, okay, they're a human being. But then that's when we also can be a leader and raise our hand and say, hey, I want to challenge what you just said. And that's scary. I did it a couple weeks ago to one of my professors and it was scary. I was shaking the whole time. Luckily I had a mask on so people probably couldn't see how much I was shaking. But it was such a good conversation for my professor to listen to what I had to say as I Mm -hmm. challenged what he said, the implications of what he said, and I think the assumptions that were made from his comment. And for him to just listen, I finished talking and he just paused and he said, yeah, you're right. I really should have said that differently. And I recognize how I'm seeing it through my own worldview. And I need to be more careful about the way I talk. And then he emailed me after class and said, thanks again for speaking up. So like, I think a leader can come in many forms, whether it's being lost or speaking up about a scary topic. But at the end of the day, anyone listening who might be like, oh, I don't know if I'm a leader. You probably are. There's leaders in families. There's leaders in communities in so many ways. And a lot of it is just naturally like being willing to step up and help people. Something that you said in there, I'm just going to pick that tiny little thing that you were saying, I'm perfect, but you meant to say imperfect. But I was looking at that as a... Did I say I'm perfect? With, the, oh, with Brad. That, for Brad, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. right. I was like, but no, I looked I'm at not. that and I said, we are imperfect, mm-hmm. but that's the same way that you spell I'm perfect. We are imperfect. Oh. And that's why we are hmm. perfect. We're great the way we are. All of us can be leaders. There's no accolade that makes a leader. There's no title. There's no moment in time where I'm finally good enough to be a leader. That's probably when you probably wouldn't be a leader is when you're so great that you have nothing else to learn or teach. I don't think I'd want a leader that didn't have anything else to learn. Mm -hmm. I'd want somebody that that's teachable and that is also struggling to make the world a better place, struggling with everything going on right now. And if they don't have any problems, that tells me they just don't care about what's going on in the world. Right. No, it's crazy. I I find myself trusting leaders more when they're relatable, Mm -hmm. when they show that they're imperfect and they're just honest about life. The leaders that are like, oh, everyone, listen to me. You know, like they they show up and you can tell that they're like connected to the position and they want you to know that they're the student body president or whatever it Mm -hmm. might be. And you sit there and you're like, what did we even just talk about for an hour and a half? Like, what is What's the point of this? Whereas the leader that shows up and says, hey, like, here's how I messed up last week. Let me tell you more about what I learned. We're all human beings. And it's easier to trust someone who you can tell is a human than someone who's pretending like they don't make mistakes. Mm -hmm. So I think there's so much with that. And also we need the leaders who are not connected to a title. As a student body president, there's only so much I can do to try to impact change on campus. But when we have other students on campus who are stepping up and saying, hey, this is a problem or... You know, like there was a protest last semester from students who saw issues on campus 
Those are leaders, whether or not they're in charge of a club or a group of students or whatever it might be, but because they were willing to step up and say, hey, we need something to change. So don't wait for a position like you said, because if you wait till it's a position or you feel ready, then you're going to be 85. And then like Mm -hmm. so many opportunities have passed, (laughs) because like you said, we're never going to be in that phase where we really know this is how I should handle this. But because Mm -hmm. it's like in those moments of I don't know what to do, where we learn and we grow so much. So just be yourself and then be willing to keep stepping forward. Yeah, I like that a lot. Made me think of a couple of things that I wanted to share real quick. Um, one of them, somebody I really admire and look up to, he once told me that leaders shouldn't be perfect because they're supposed to lead by example. Amen. And so if a leader doesn't have anything to learn, how are they supposed to be an example to those who they work with? Is something that always really touched me because I've interacted with people, of course, who, you know, they're always like, oh, I'm this title, I'm in this position, so you have to listen to me. But it's like, no, I'm here. And I have these opportunities now because of this that I can use to share with others, you know. But I like how you said we don't have to wait for that title. Sort of like we talked about earlier. It's not the when or the destinations. I can do it now. Right. And I can learn these things. I don't have to wait for a moment. And how at college, that's such an easy experience now to be able to find those moments, to be able to have those experiences interacting with other peers and our teachers and professors and our leadership and clubs and all that. We're able to have those opportunities to be able to find out how we can be leaders in whatever capacity that is, even in our own group of like three friends. If that's what it is, right. then that's what it is. And that helps us to be able to have those experiences that we need and helps to improve just our day-to-day life, I think, about finding who we are and finding how we can contribute to things and being able to see the perspective of others and be able to help. We can help those leaders. I'm only in my first semester, but I can still contribute to the college and the campus. And you're the student body president and you contribute as well. It's right. not one or the other kind of thing. I don't have to wait for that position. And I love that we have that experience and with everyone here at campus, we're all just being able to have those experiences and coming from all these different backgrounds. Right. That's so awesome. And the Weber State University Student Association, WSUSA, I always see posters from them that say WSUSA is you, referring Mm -hmm. to all of the students. It's not just you and I or, you know, anyone that's in an elected position that's part of WSUSA. It's literally every single student on campus is involved in that association, whether or not. Whether or not they get involved or do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all pay student fees. Mm -hmm. These activities we put on, these giveaways we do are funded by student fees. So the students who are paying the fees should have a voice. And I think it's easy to just show up and go to class. But if there's a problem on campus, speak up because we can't see everything. I'm sure if you're seeing it, it's, it's impacting other students as well. And so we can find a way to improve it. WCSA is you. It really is. And I know that acronym for the listeners is like, a lot because it's so fast, <laughs> WCSA. When I first heard it, I was like, what did you just say? And then they said W-S-U-S-A. I was like, oh, it's an acronym. I thought it was a word. <laughs> but yeah, with that, follow Weber students on Instagram. There's my yeah. little plug. Yeah. So you know all about the events on campus. They're always posting fun activities on there. How, how would you recommend, Ben, that students can either get involved or if they're already involved, how they can stay involved in their time? as a college student and even after with their lives. Yeah, I would just say be involved in stuff that you enjoy and that makes you grow. Because I think if it's boring, you're not going to stay involved. And honestly, like if it's boring, I wouldn't stay involved. So find something that engages you and that you enjoy so you will come back. And then the growth aspect, because I think it's easy to find our little home on campus and to stay comfortable. But there's also a little sense of being willing to push ourselves a little farther because, you know, the comfort zone is so comfortable that you always hear there's no growth in the comfort zone, which there can be. There can be some growth, but you're stretched so much more when you take that extra step or the Mm -hmm. extra half step. 
And it doesn't have to be like, okay, I'm in one club, so I'm going to enjoy 50 clubs because that's out of my comfort zone. <laughs> like you got to be realistic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I said, stuff that you enjoy, stuff that helps you grow. And then from there, just be yourself. Don't feel like you have to fit a mold or, or be a certain way because you really can just show up as you. And, you know, along the way, there might be people that are mean. That's everywhere in the world. And that's not to say like, oh yeah, they're fine. They're being mean. But that presents you with an opportunity for growth yeah. to say like, hey, you were mean to me. Let's talk about why. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a hard conversation and then we yeah. grow. So right. maybe it's not always, you know, hand in hand growth and enjoyable. Sometimes the growth isn't as enjoyable and sometimes the enjoyable doesn't cause as much growth. Mm-hmm. So I think both of those push us in different ways. It kind of just gives you a feeling of relief when you finally are able to have those conversations with people. And we we learn as we're having those conversations, those important conversations that we have so much more in common than we have in dissimilar interests. I think all of the calamitous climate in our world, especially through social media, is because nobody's mm-hmm. talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Everyone is just creating without first listening or looking, searching. Right. And when we're searching, we almost don't want to attack them anymore when we understand them perfectly. When we don't understand somebody that's where we have all these mean assumptions and all yeah. of these negative conclusions about somebody because we don't know them. And that's why we need to reconnect with them so yeah. we can kind of get rid of these false perceptions that we have and move forward totally. together. Yeah. It's like when you go to an art museum or an art gallery, where do you stand when you're looking at the art? Together. Generally far back. Mm-hmm. So you can see the whole mm-hmm. picture. Yeah. You might, if you're like obsessed with brush strokes or, you know, extra artsy, you might get up close and personal and look really close. But for the most part, and that's also good. But I think in life, if life was a painting, we're all standing like three inches away from this painting. Mm-hmm. And we can see as far as our eyes can see with this three inch distance. And then we're making judgments of other people. We're assuming that based on what I see of this painting, then these people are doing something wrong or they have the wrong perspective or whatever it might be. But if we take just one step back or two steps back or turn to the person next to us and say, hey, what do you see with your three inch you know, distance? Mm-hmm. There's so many more ways that we can see the bigger picture of the painting. And I think that that's something that's starting to be missing in society because like you said, social media and just different things that are contributing to it mm-hmm. that cause us to make fast judgments based on what we can see without realizing that there's so much more to the painting. So it's okay to disagree with people because they, they're seeing something differently. And so if we can just pause, take a step back, try to understand how they're seeing it, or maybe like we're frustrated with a professor because they're not grading our stuff on time. But what we don't realize is maybe they have 200 students that they're grading their papers or they had a death in their family or whatever it might be. There's so much we don't see in other people's lives that if we can just take a deep breath, give them some grace and then be willing to see their perspective, it'll take us so far. I mean, that's something that I've learned in my psychology class. So that's like totally true where we make those comparisons and we mm-hmm. make those judgments of other people. And all too often, it's not a fair judgment. Like you talked about, we only have the small picture and we assume everybody else is working off that same thing. I think that's something really important to understand in the college experience too, when we have so many thousands of students here that we're all coming from those different perspectives and those different places, but finding that common ground or ways to connect in different ways, however that is, and uplifting the environment because nobody wants this to be a bad experience here at Weber State or any university. We want it to be good. And I'm glad that you've made so many efforts to improve that, especially during COVID when it's been so difficult. And I'm excited to see how it improves from now, but I think just inviting everyone to 
you know, put those little three inch pictures together or <laughs> trying to find a way to step back and see the whole picture and understand and try to make that conscious choice and then keep that momentum going. Right. Encourage others to do that with you. So I do have to ask, since you are earning your master's in professional communication, why is it important for us to communicate? Honestly, I can go so many directions with that because communication's in everything. You're driving, the music you're listening to is communicating a message to you. Mm -hmm. Someone's blinker in front of you is communicating what they're doing. Someone honking, the bus that has a poster on the side communicating to you, 7-Eleven sign with the price of the gas. You get the point. <laughs> like it's literally in everything. Sitting in a meeting, maybe this one person's talking, but the body language of everyone around the table can tell you how they're feeling or what they're thinking, or at least give you a glimpse. Sometimes mm -hmm. our perception of them is that snap judgment that we need to be careful of, but communications and everything. And I think if we could just sit down and say, hey, here's my problems or here's my concerns or here's why I'm frustrated with you. And then the other person could listen because that's part of communication mm -hmm. is listening, understand it and say, oh, that makes sense. Here's my perspective. And here's why I came at it this way. I think it would stop a lot of problems and maybe the problems might still happen, but it would help us find better solutions because those assumptions can lead to barriers to communication because we look at someone and they say they're doing this wrong or they think wrong. So therefore, I'm not even going to talk to them because I already know what they think without asking them. Like, what's the point of that if we're not even giving them the chance to communicate how they feel? And obviously, like in this answer, communication is my buzzword I'm using, but you could use the word signal. The way I talk to you signals how I feel. The way that people act signals various things. I think that there's so much to it, whether it's strategic communication or leadership communication or public relations or psychology or marketing, or if you're in the health field, you have to communicate with patients every day. And how are you going to do that so that they know that they're in good care or as an artist? What you're painting is communicating some sort of something, whether it's a feeling or a thought or an idea or a movement. You know, yeah. the president of the United States is communicating all the time and people are usually waiting. What does he think about this? What does he think about that? Whatever it might be. So it's really across every industry, which is funny because people always ask me, oh, you're getting a communications degree. What are you going to do? Communicate with people? <laughs> and then within a couple you know, minutes of like, oh, tell me about your job. Like, what do you do? Yep. All of that's communication. And tell me all the problems in your job. Oh, those would be fixed with communication. Mm -hmm. it, so it's not the only fixer, but I think with it, it can help a lot of things in the world. Leadership's for everyone. Communication's for everyone. So the, the stipulations that they, they have barrier to entry, I think we need to just get rid of that. We need to embrace it for everybody. And in your own way, it doesn't look a certain way. You went over that today. Not Communication doesn't look a certain way. You know, we don't need to box things in. There's a different solution to all these different problems that we have to deal with in life. And as we communicate, that is going to be our tool, especially in group. You know, people always say that working in groups is one of the hardest things in the world to do. And the fear of public speaking is the scariest thing. It's the most bears chasing you <laughs> at one time. <laughs> yeah. All these bears looking at you as right. you're talking. <laughs> but we just need to embrace that. Thank you so much, Ben. Any final thoughts for, for our listeners with our school and how that ultimately helps us in reconnecting with ourselves. I was actually going to start with reconnecting with ourselves. I think it's, it's in that reconnection where we can recognize where we've been, where we're at, and where we're going. And in that process of connect, reconnecting with ourselves, taking that time, 
It gives us a better understanding of what needs to be involved in the direction that we want to go, whether that's getting heavily involved in a certain in WSUSA or getting involved in certain things on campus or a certain job or an internship or telling all your friends to transfer to Weber State because it's the best, <laughs> like whatever it might be. I think it really starts with that self-awareness to say, where am I at? How do I feel? And what am I thinking? And then it's in that moment where we, as we're reflecting on what's happened, we see like, oh, I was in this club and I didn't feel connected. So then later it influenced me to make sure other people or to try my best. I'm not perfect. Maybe someone still didn't feel connected, but to try my best to help other people not feel that way. So it's in that moment of saying, oh, remember when this happened and I didn't like it? Or when I was lost on campus, I always use that as an example, <laughs> but I was lost on campus and people walked past me and no one helped me, how helpless I felt. Then when you see a lost person, you're like, I've been there, I can help them. And that really brings in the individual approach of reconnecting with ourselves, with those around us, with the university and the community. So there's so many ways to do it. Start where you're at and do what you can. I like that. That was perfect. Thank you so Maybe much, not. Ben. Of course. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you so much again. We really appreciate it. Really enjoyable to talk together and be able to hear these things. It was great. Sweet. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Again, we would like to give a huge thank you to Ben for being willing to come here and share his story with us. It was great to be able to hear his experiences of how he's progressed in both school and as a person. We can all take something from what he shared with us today and how we can start now improving our day-to-day -day life. Even though we may not lead people, we're all leaders of our own lives. Thank you, Ben, for being our student body president and caring so much for our school. Thank you all again for listening and make sure to follow us on our social media at Weber Podcasts for future announcements, release dates, and more. Have a great day and keep on thriving. Bye. Bye.